G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. So it will be an important conversation today about what happens in Australia if there is a change of government at the federal election. Uh, Perhaps uh, perceptions depend on where you stand on a political spectrum, which side you lean towards. We're almost at the end of January and edging closer. In fact, there's two significant elections this year. The first of those will be the New South Wales state election in March. And uh, we are remaining on track at this point for what is likely to be a May federal election. The major parties are concerned about what happens with some fracturing of their support bases. Of course, on the left, uh, got the Labor and the Greens. On the right, the Liberal National Coalition and a slew of minor parties vying for the Conservative vote. Now, among them, of course, you could name One Nation. You could mention Catter's Australian Party, Clive Palmer's United Australia Party, uh, Fraser Anning's there too with Conservative Nationals, and, of course, Corey Bernardi's Australian Conservatives. Now, let me remind you that around this time last year, uh, the national headline was all about the decision of Lyle Shelton, to move into federal politics, and up until then he'd been leading the Australian Christian lobby, and he decided to support the Australian Conservatives led by Corey Bernardi. So let's get some insights today into what sort of changes Lyle Shelton might anticipate seeing uh, as the important federal election rolls around. Lyle Shelton is the Queensland Senate candidate for the Australian Conservatives. He's in the studio with me and our talkback lines will open in just a few moments. Uh, Lyle Shelton, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks very much, Neil. It's great to be with you again. Lyle, we used to have these conversations every week and we'd talk about these things from the perspective of a Christian worldview understanding, helping Christians to be able to think through the political issues of the day, helping them to be able to grapple with the things that they're seeing in the headlines and then how a Christian should think about those. Now, you've joined the Australian Conservatives and I know that you continue to hold your uh, strong Christian ethic and uh, you're able to do that in the Australian Conservatives, but you're also taking a political focus here and it leans conservatively. Give us a little idea about where you stand these days. Well, well, Neil, nothing has has changed about where I stand. Uh, I guess uh, from the point of view though that there has been a change is in that as I have moved out of uh, lobbying and and Christian advocacy into politics to actually trying to uh, be uh, a player in the political scene. And uh, now I'm not in politics yet. I'm working for a political party. I'm campaigning for a Senate seat. But the aim is to to make that um, shift from advocacy from the outside to actually being uh, or being well, God willing, a, a senator for Queensland from the inside. And that's uh, a, a place of of different influence and uh, a place where you can influence from the inside. And that's um that's what I would like to achieve uh, should uh, the voters of Queensland uh, select me at the election. 
Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that as a conservative, and that's what the name of the party is, Australian Conservatives, that some people might say, well, you're in this sort of, uh, uh, this extra party, uh, this uh, party that's not aligned with the mainstream Liberal National Party, which is known to be having uh, those conservative roots. And let me just uh, get just get you to remind us for a few moments uh, why the Australian Conservatives were formed, because at the time, and perhaps this continues, and I'll get your perspective on this, uh, the uh, Conservative Party was moving to the left. Uh, what are your thoughts on the on reflecting on that history? Yeah, look, this is a very fraught time in Australian political history. Uh, we have seen the Liberals and the Nationals drift more and more to what I would call uh, the Green Left. I think the Greens political party over the last 30 years have had a profound impact on politics. They've dragged both sides of politics uh, to very extreme positions, whether it's uh, on, on energy policy. We saw the lights go out in Victoria the other day because we've been shutting down 10 coal-fired power stations in the last six years and not replacing the generating capacity. We've seen both sides of politics support the redefinition of, of marriage and then um, the, the restrictions that have come with that on freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And so what I've noticed is that uh, there's been no um, significant critical mass of champions, certainly uh, very few now in the Labor Party, almost none, and less and less in the Liberal Party who will champion uh principled conservative values, whether they be on the economy, for energy policy, whether they be on things like freedom of speech and freedom of religion against you know, what I call rainbow politics. And so Corey Bernardi was someone who was willing to, to stand up, um, having tried for 10 years as a senator from South Australia in the Liberal Party and, and, and just found that he couldn't make any progress in the Liberal Party because of its, its identity crisis, didn't know what it stood for anymore. So he left two years ago, formed the Conservatives. And uh, I, I watched that development very carefully. And I guess towards the end of the 2017 marriage campaign, where I realised that we just didn't have the firepower of good Conservative people within the parliament to take uh, issues forward that conservatives hold dear, whether they be Christians, uh, social conservatives or economic conservatives, I found Cory Bernardi's party uh, a good fit. And it's been an absolute joy uh, working in that space for the last 12 months. And now um, as we gear up for the election, uh, it's, it's even more exciting. Let me take you back into that history, uh, continuing a little longer on this, because at the time when Cory Bernardi uh, jumped from the Liberal Party and started the Australian Conservatives. It was under Malcolm Turnbull's Prime Ministership. And uh, those commentators and uh, those who have a keen eye politically will will recognise that Malcolm Turnbull was not a Conservative Prime Minister. In fact, uh, he went to great lengths to say that he was centrist. And what that really meant was that he was moving to the left, to the left. side. Mm. And so it became something that was, uh, you know, uh, just incompatible with conservative values. And that seems to be where Cory Bernardi jumped ship and started the Australian Conservatives. How do the Australian Conservatives fit now that we have a Prime Minister who is uh, very openly loud and proud, uh, claiming his Christianity, and where where do you think he sits on a spectrum? Is he a conservative or is he actually following along the, in the centrist mould? Yeah, our new Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, um, I don't know whether he would describe himself as a conservative. My observations of him, and, and I've had the privilege of knowing him over 10 years, um, I, I admire him. Um, I've observed his uh, strong Christian faith both um, in private and in public. Uh, 
Now, I, I think he leans more towards conservative values. He was he's here in Queensland at the moment, um, campaigning. I heard him say on radio yesterday that you know he, he he's someone who believes in family values, uh, prayer. Uh, so he, he's out loud and proud about his Christian faith, about his support of um, traditional family values, which of course are, are great conservative uh, pillars. But the problem that that Scott Morrison has is that there is this identity crisis within the Liberal Party, and um, he uh, continues to run. Um, a, a, a very difficult line where you know he, he'll have, whether it's Malcolm Turnbull or, or, or uh, sabotaging his campaign in Wentworth, whether it's Julie Bishop, uh, formerly our foreign minister, still in the Liberal Party, still in the Parliament, attacking Margaret Court or, or backing attacks on Margaret Court two weeks ago by Anna Wintour, who, who wants Margaret's name removed from the Melbourne Tennis Centre. Now, this is a Liberal taking a very anti-free speech position, and, and I use that illustration because the party. Sadly, is laced with people like Christopher Pine, like Simon Birmingham, like Maurice Payne, uh, and many, many others that I could name. Tim Wilson, uh, who who don't support uh, the values that uh, we as conservatives would support when it comes to the family, when it comes to freedom of speech, and when it comes to freedom of religion. And of course, um, despite Scott Morrison's heroic efforts towards the end of last year, uh, the party has been unable to land this issue of religious freedom, particularly for Christian schools uh, who are in danger, uh, real and present danger, of losing their ability to um, maintain a Christian ethos in the school, to employ staff who actually support the vision and mission of the school. That that freedom is on the cusp of being taken away uh, while a conservative government is in place. And, and um, despite Scott Morrison's best attempts, there are forces at work in his own party and in the wider parliament that he simply doesn't control. And that's why um, I believe we need the conservative party in the Senate to, to counterbalance those forces which are, are taking us to the green left. In fact, you were quoted in a recent article saying, as Australian Conservatives, you want to help the Liberal National Coalition be their true selves. Uh, you've got a significant role to play here, just uh, reminiscent of uh, Don Chip and the Democrats uh, many years ago, who uh, you know had as their their saying, uh, keeping uh, the uh, the parties honest. Uh, just to just to modify that, just <laughs> I, a little. I think most for... of your listeners know what, what we won't use that on a family station. So so yeah. so this idea, a little bit of a similar sort of a Absolutely. feel to that. It is, and and it's because we've witnessed the, the Greens over thirty years have influenced uh, Labor. Labor has pretty much capitulated now to a, a green economic and social policy. You know, high taxes, um, you know, we can't have baseload electricity anymore. Um, and, and, of course, they have adopted the whole LGBTIQA rainbow political agenda, which which is such a threat to freedom of speech and freedom of religion and children's gender. And, and those issues have been well canvassed on this station. So Labor has completely capitulated to all of that on an economic and social front. Uh, about half of the Liberal Party have. And uh, so, yes, we do need uh, a conservative force uh, on the Senate crossbench, and that's the best place uh, where we can have influence uh, to try and do what the Greens did over 30 years. Hopefully it won't take us that long, but we need a counterbalance now to start to bring things back to the sensible centre right of politics. Uh, the drift has been green left and too many Liberals have drunk the green left Kool-Aid and uh, that's why we are needed there. And um, look, this is going to be a crucial election for our country. Uh, you know, it's looking like Labor's going to amble into victory. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. But whoever's there, we still need the Conservative Party on the crossbench to keep whoever's in government honest and to keep reminding uh, Australians, Australians and the media and, and the, the political body uh, of 
uh, the, the true principles that have made this country what it is so that we don't continue to drift away from them. Prime Minister Scott Morrison today uh, calling out Bill Shorten and arrogance uh, with this idea that uh, without any effort at all, they're going to win the election. Uh, The trouble is all the polls might support that that is the case. And uh, there is a certain sense in which uh, when parties are in such a strong position as the Labor Party appears to be right now with the polls, uh, that somehow or other they would have that level of arrogance and the expectation that they'll just fall across the line. Uh, Of course, uh, of course, when you're talking from a conservative side, you've got to be realistic and perhaps even uh, just embracing the underdog uh, idea of uh, it's going to be a hard fight ahead. It certainly is going to be a hard fight ahead for the government to be re-elected. Y- yes, it is. And uh, there's no doubt that Labor are acting with uh, a certain hubris. I mean, Chris Bowen, the shadow treasurer, has basically told senior Australians, don't vote for us if you don't like us. You know, Now, Labor have got this policy where they want to double dip into people's um, franking credit uh, uh Refunds now. Now that's money that's already been taxed. They want to tax it again uh, through through taxing franking credits. And and uh, Labor have said, well, don't vote for us. I mean, that's very arrogant. Uh, so that they are adopting that posture. I, I think the election is still up for grabs. I I wouldn't write off Scott Morrison yet. I think he's campaigning very very well. Uh, he cuts through. Uh, he he understands families. You know, when he's talking about traffic congestion, he's saying this is about getting families home around the meal table. That's fantastic. Good conservative values. As I say, I want to see Scott Morrison re-elected. But because his party has this terrible identity crisis, we do need uh, the Conservative Party on the crossbench. I mean, who would you rather have there? The, the Greens, you know, One Nation, uh, who are all over the place. Sadly, they are not conservative. Um, uh, the, Pauline Hanson supports euthanasia. Um, doesn't always support tax cuts. Uh, Fraser Anning has a a racially based uh, immigration policy. Now, I think we should call out bad behaviour of any group, but we should we can't exclude people from this country based on the colour of their skin, which is what he's asking for. Uh, Bob Catter, um, well, he wears a big hat. So, you know, it's a crowded field, as you said in your intro, but um, people have got to focus on the fact that there is going to be a Senate crossbench. Who would you rather there? Would you like principled Conservatives in the Cory Bernardi mould, uh, in the mould that, that I'm offering as, as part of his team? Or do you want uh, someone, you know, with... Um, Red hair, yellow billboards, you know, big hats and, and big egos, um, to, you know, just to put a bit of colour into the conversation. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. You can contribute to our conversation. Uh, what is at risk if there is a change of government at this year's federal election? Lyle Shelton is our guest. He's the Queensland Senate candidate with the Australian Conservatives. Lyle, uh, I know that you're aware that we had a, a short but important conversation earlier this week with Franklin Graham. Uh, now, coming to Australia, going to be here in uh, about a week's time, and there's going to be some crusades all around the country in some big stadiums in the capital cities. And I was asking Franklin about his perceptions of Australia, and uh, we talked briefly about the idea that things are becoming very secularised. Now, while he's not coming here to be political, he did say something very political in his response to that. He said, you know, Neil, secularisation is very close to communism or a secular government is very similar to a communist government because they're both godless 
systems. I wonder what your thoughts are on using those sorts mm. of terminologies uh, interchangeably. I think one of the best um, uh, examples uh, or, or things spoken into this secularist um, debate that I've heard was actually in Scott Morrison's maiden speech uh, more than 10 years ago. I was uh, still fairly new at Australian Christian Lobby, but uh, I watched Scott's speech with great interest. He was a new person coming to the parliament, and he said Australia is not a secular country, it's a free country. And um, that was quite electrifying, and, and I think it holds a lot of relevance, even more relevance, 10 years on, because secularism, as you said, uh, implies that uh, there's no room for religion, no room for Christianity. It's almost like an enforced uh, state atheism. Now, that's very, very dangerous. And where we've had uh, atheistic regimes in the past, as Franklin Graham rightly points out, they have been totalitarian. Uh, you look at Eastern Europe, and I've had the privilege of, of going to some of the former Eastern Bloc countries like Hungary and Moldova last year, and you can see that Christianity was decimated in those places where there was state-enforced secularism or atheism. And uh, we're heading that way very quickly. We mentioned the religious freedom debate just a few moments ago. Aggressive secularists in this country, and they're, sadly they're, with, they're within the Liberal Party, uh, and certainly they've infested Labor, and of course the Greens are leading this whole charge. Uh, they want to take away religious freedom and freedom of speech in this country, particularly when it comes to issues around uh, human sexuality, uh, what, what the definition of marriage is, etc. And this, these are the real pressure points that are facing many of us as Christians as a result of aggressive secularism. The abortion debate is another one. We had abortion to birth laws passed last year here in Queensland by Jackie Trad and the Labor government here, again driven by aggressive secularism, and even the right to protest outside a clinic now has been squashed. So I just see this trend continuing, and uh, we need to... We need to push back on secularism and say, no, no, we are a free society, and that means there should be room for uh, points of view that differ and points of views that come from a religious worldview. You can't just shut the religious worldview out of um, modern Australia. People will look at definitions of secular and they'll see that it used to be, and I say used to be because somehow or other the definition has morphed, it's changed. It used to be a benign way of talking about a way you manage different religions in one pluralist society and it's not that anymore it has been hijacked by atheist uh, people who are uh, wanting to deny a christian voice yep, yep that's right uh, we're taking calls 1-800-316-316 let's take a call from val in Mackay. hello val welcome along hello val what are your thoughts for our conversation well um in europe now it is uh, a crime punishable by six months' imprisonment to insult Islam. Now, I only just found that out recently, and I'm quite shocked that that has cut off free speech in Europe. There's also um, 180 Sharia courts in the UK, and some of us are looking at this and are very alarmed. If you raise your voice, Who's listening? You're called racist, Nazism, um, and all of these things. Uh, who is going to look at this in a level-headed manner and see exactly what is happening? 
We Val. don't want this in Australia. Very good point mm. to make. Uh, you've been called all of those names. <laughs> uh, Lyle, yeah. uh, you're not afraid of name-calling. What is the position that you would take when uh, Val raises the alarm there and says, is this the way Australia is leading as well? Yeah, well, Val... Um, be assured that our party, the Australian Conservatives and and others as well, uh, to, to be fair, um, will do everything we can to resist the idea of Sharia law in Australia. And I think it's it's fair to say the mainstream parties would hold that position as well. Even even uh, the Liberal Party and, and and Labor, although you know there's varying degrees of of um, willingness to sort of go along with with some of the. Uh, pushes in this direction, but um, there's no way in the world that our party will support uh, a creeping Sharia. You are quite right. Um, I I can't validate the the, the length of you mentioned six months in prison. I'm not sure if that's right or not. I'll take your word for it. But certainly here in Australia, uh, we already have racial and religious vilification laws in most states uh, where you can be fined for insulting Islam. Now, I've been an opponent of those laws ever since they came in. Our party is an opponent of them, as well as anti-discrimination laws, which um, don't allow you to speak freely about the definition of marriage, about human sexuality and what you've used uh, there. These things are anti-free speech. Uh, the, the Federal Racial Discrimination Act is another one that needs changing. Uh, we want to do away with all of these pieces of legislation which inhibit uh, freedom of speech. Now, we think people should be free to say what they think and, and let civil society um, judge people rather than uh, someone slapping a legal suit uh, on you. Val from Mackay, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Robin is in Mount Morgan in Queensland. Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Um, yes, um, I, I heard exactly the same as what um, Val said. And um, look, it's very, very simple when it comes down to it. Look at Genesis 3. Um, the devil always comes and he starts off with God's word, perverts it, and then uh, draws people away from God into religions, various religions. It's, look, that, what's that saying about history, not learning the lessons from history? It's the same cycle over and over again. The devil doesn't change his spots. And like when people say to me all the time, yeah, religion starts all the wars. Yeah, well, they're true. It's true because the devil is in religion to draw us away from God's word. He always perverts and he confuses people. So people, it's the same judges cycle. People start off with God and everything's prosperous. They become prosperous and everything's fine. And then they start getting lax and they start moving away from God. Then they say, I don't, I don't need God. We can chuck him out. And that's exactly what the devil does. Hmm. And and also, even if these... Robin, if we're just uh, are... We're running short of time because we're coming up to the news. I will cut in. Uh, a quick response, only 30 seconds out to news. Yeah, there's no... Robin's... Um you know, I share Robin's concern. Uh, we are drifting as a society away from our, our Christian roots, uh, our Western civilization founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic, and we've been lax about it. And um, we're losing our freedoms, and uh, we've got to fight for them. And thankfully, we're still in a democracy. That's why people like me are running, because we want to be that voice in the parliament for these freedoms. Uh, and uh, Lyle is our guest. He is a Senate candidate for the next federal election. And Lyle, just before we take another call, uh, you're planning some travelling and campaign throughout your home state of Queensland over these coming months. Yeah, that's right, Neil. Um, I'm planning a trip up to central Queensland. Uh, there's people in places like Alpha, Barcaldon, Claremont that are keen uh, to have us, uh, obviously Rockhampton, and then um, I'm looking to do a, a north Queensland trip with uh, the number three person on our Senate ticket, uh, Kate Horan, who's based in Townsville. We're going to do Mackay, Townsville and Cairns uh, around about the second week of March. And a couple of um, speaking opportunities in my hometown of Toowoomba as well coming up through February and March. So um, I'll, I'll be out and about.
And uh, listeners in all of those centres, you might like to make a little note, uh, keep an eye out for Lyle Shelton when he's in town. Uh, let's take some calls. Uh, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Audrey is on the line from York in Western Australia. Hello, Audrey. Welcome along. Hello there. Hello. Um, I just uh, wanted to put um, my point through is uh, from a prayer's uh, point of view, and I need prayer too, mm-hmm. is um, we are told to pray for the government, pray, pray for those in authority, um, prayer moves mountains, and yet we know there's the great conflict because also we're told everything that's that's coming to be, and we can see that happening in our governments, but we, we can pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think that Prayer moves mountains and mm. by faith, you know, and so I put that there because I think we all should be kind of on our knees and praying for our politicians and praying for the right one to be there because God really does hear. Audrey, so. great thoughts that you're bringing. A response from Lyle Shelton. Yeah, thank you, Audrey, uh, for reminding us all of that. Um, there is no doubt in my mind that uh, this election is going to be one of the most crucial in our history. Uh, we've been talking about freedom of religion. I think that has never been under pressure uh, like it has been, like it is now, and and it will be under greater pressure under a Bill Shorten uh, Green left government. I'm sorry to be political, but that's just the facts. And uh, we need to be praying about these things. And um, uh, I believe our role as Christians uh, is to um, fulfill what Jesus asks us to, and that's to be bringers of, of his kingdom. Now, that never comes by force. It doesn't come by using the world's power mechanisms, uh, but we should uh, be ones who want to bring heaven to earth where there's hell on earth through bad laws and bad legislation. Uh, our role is to try and bring heaven uh, into the situation, and obviously um, uh, prayer is the power that, that allows us to do that in a, in a gracious and, and Christ-like uh, way, not not the not through the necessarily the power structures or the ways of the world, but we should be in places like the halls of power in politics, uh, bringing the light of Christ's kingdom and bringing heaven uh, to earth um, instead of where there's uh, hell in, in so many places. Audrey from York in WA, thank you so much for your input, and we'll take another call in just a few moments, but sometimes people, I find, uh, in the Christian community, Lyle, get confused and thinking that somehow or other our Christianity is separate from politics. But I'm reminded, even as Audrey says then, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words... A part of the very uh, foundation of the Lord's Prayer is something very political because somebody's values are being legislated and it's the kingdom values that ought to be legislated. This is where we all have a vote. Just a quick comment from you on uh, the idea that we are called to be political. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the great mistakes Christians have made over the last 200 years is to separate themselves from the political, uh, to uh, force the church back into its four walls and to truncate the gospel to to just uh, pietism. Um, it's clear that uh, the gospel applies to all of life, including politics. And as I said earlier, we don't use the the, the power 
um, methods of the world. We, we come with Christ's love and grace, but but nonetheless, we should seek to bring influence. And where where there's injustice and unrighteousness, uh, we should seek to speak into that and and use the tools of democracy that are available to all citizens, and they're available to Christians. And for some reason, we've sat out of that space for far too long. We wonder why our freedom of religion is now uh, under pressure. We wonder why unborn babies are now able to be killed to birth, and and a whole range of other things which are, are not right. And, and not just are occurring, uh, it's because we've vacated the field. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Lee is on the line from Cardwell in North Queensland. Hello, Lee. Welcome along. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Neil and uh, Lyle. What are your uh, thoughts? My comment is, if the numbers are against us at the next election, and that seems to be the case, uh, the body of Christ doesn't need to wring its hands and throw out the baby with the bathwater, we can still support those who would present uh, private members' bills to the parliament and uh, pray pray as we're required to do for government that (coughs) government will uh, produce uh, godly results. Good thoughts, Lee. A response from Lyle. Well, well, Lee, um, I I couldn't agree with you more, and and that's why our party is looking to try and get a foothold in the Senate where we can have an influence. the, the numbers may not go, you know, they probably won't go in favour of of a government that you or I would like right across the board, whether Scott Morrison is Prime Minister or whether Bill Shorten is. Uh, and so we need people who are going to stand by conservative Christian principles uh, in the Senate. That's the place where you can have the most influence, particularly if there's a team of you, which is what we're trying to achieve. And, um, and I think that's uh, probably the best hope for those of us who are Christians who who are conservative-leaning, that we try and um, fulfil that vision that Senator Bernardi has sought and that I'm seeking to try and support uh, through my candidacy. Lee from Cardwell in North Queensland, thanks so much for your call. Let's go back to the other side of the country. Catherine is on the line from Perth in WA. Hello, Catherine. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, Or at least I think it's morning. I'm not sure. It's (laughs) It's still morning here. Actually, if you're in the daylight saving states, it's afternoon, but in Queensland, it's still morning, and where you are, you've still got another couple of hours of morning to go. Yeah. Listen, um, I'm a bit confounded by uh, our Christian Prime Minister, so I'll especially direct this to Lyle, if I could ask your opinion. I'm confounded. I don't know, you know, by throwing Australia to the dogs, keeping us in the Paris Agreement, I don't know whether uh, he's a... Um, kneecapped by the pseudo-centrists in the Liberal Party who are really as left as the Greens when it's all said and done, or if he's basically a socialist at heart, you know, with the utopian ideals which harken back to the Christian ideology, which is fine in in that era, but it doesn't quite work, you know, translate to uh, contemporary political structure. Um, so... I mean, if you get my my thing, I'm, can I have your view? Is he is he basically a socialist? I mean, why do we replace Turnbull if we're going to get yet another leftist socialist? You know. Good thoughts, um, Catherine. Let's hear from Lyle. Yeah, Catherine, very good observation. I don't believe Scott Morrison personally is a socialist. Um, now, he, he can speak for himself, obviously, but I was saying earlier that uh, there is an identity crisis within the Liberal Party. There are a number of so-called moderates. Uh, they call themselves progressives, which I think is a gross misuse of the word progressive because uh, these are the people who want the Liberal Party to uh, and, and Australia to remain in things like the Paris Accord, which is part of a 
a United Nations globalist agenda to redistribute wealth. And, uh, you know, I don't believe that uh, burning fossil fuels is destroying the planet. Um, I don't believe that at all. Um, and I, I think this whole global warming scare is designed to try and deindustrialize countries like Australia. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, we saw the lights go out in Victoria just the other day. So I think it's very, very dangerous ideology. Now, I think Scott Morrison's playing uh, a fine line here. He has said no to any more. Uh, money going to the UN Climate Fund, uh, big tick for that. But he hasn't withdrawn from it because of the identity crisis in his own party, because of the so-called moderates and so-called progressives. Uh, they won't let him. And this is the tension um, that the Liberals have. And this is why we need a true conservative party in the Senate uh, who will hold the Liberal Party to their to account. And that's why we're saying uh, in the Senate, vote conservatives, take out third-party insurance because there's even things that a good Prime Minister like Scott Morrison can't control because the Liberal Party has moved so far to the Green left. Thank you so much to Catherine from Perth in WA and our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, we're talking about what things might look like after the next federal election. If the government maintains power or if there is a change of government to the Labor Party. Uh, 1-800-316-316, give us a call and be part of our conversation. Uh, Lyle, let me just ask you, because as we're talking about what happens after the next election, one of the big issues that continues to remain hidden is this issue of our national debt. Mm. And uh, I know a lot of people are concerned about this. This was uh, certainly a big issue under uh, Tony Abbott, uh, where the national debt, where he was trying to uh, to address that uh, in a significant way and perhaps uh, a little too heavy-handed. But what are your thoughts for where the national debt is now? I mean, everybody blames everybody else for who's responsible. What's the Australian Conservatives' view? Our view is that there should be no more pay rises for politicians or senior public servants until the national debt is paid off. Um, look, it is out of control. It's it's at uh, more than $500 billion. It's, it's projected to go to... 750 billion that's three quarters of a trillion dollars and then you've got all your state government debt i mean queensland is in 80 billion dollars debt as a state government so debt is a massive problem for this nation and both political parties have been kicking the can down the road this is a form of intergenerational theft because our children and grandchildren will have to pay this off now full credit to scott morrison and you know it takes an election campaign to to jolt people into action but he's putting forward a plan to pay it down over 10 years that's how much trouble we've got ourselves in there was no debt when uh, john howard left office and now we've got debt that's going to take us at least 10 years uh, if um, a federal government can be disciplined enough to to pay that off. Um, it's very, very serious because um, uh, America is in uh, massive trillions of dollars of debt as well. And that's something that President Trump has not addressed. So globally, the world, the Western world is awash with debt. And that makes us vulnerable to economic shocks and, and our potential future recession. So it's a serious issue that must be tackled. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Andrew in Broken Hill in New South Wales. Hello, Andrew. Welcome along. Hello. Uh, I've just been listening to your conversation. Um, my question is, regarding Scott Morrison, if he's being held hostage to the Liberal Party, is he not um, serving two masters and putting the, the needs of the, um, the uh, moderates in the Liberal Party before the, his views on Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, well, that's um, that that's uh, a big question. Look, politics is the art of compromise, and I don't want to be judgmental of, of Scott Morrison. I, I understand, having been a lobbyist in Canberra for the last 10 years, I understand the dynamics that he's dealing with. Um, personally, I, I think, you know, we should uh, put principle uh, above um, politics, uh, but there's a pragmatism that goes with that job for whoever's in there, and um, I don't want to pass a judgment on that. But these so-called moderates, and you know, moderate is a terrible word for people like Christopher Pine. I mean, this is the guy who gave us uh, federal funding for safe schools, which teaches children that their gender is fluid. I mean, that's not a moderate position; that's an extreme position, and and that's the sort of thing that Christopher Pine stands for. Julie Bishop and many others in that party they stand for the globalized agenda of of the UN. So Scott's got to balance those people um, with with the good people, and you'll notice that people like Tony Abbott and Erica Betts and Peter Dutton and Michael Zucker, uh, who, who are uh, conservative-leaning, they're, they're um, pejoratively called reactionary right-wingers all the time and um, the hard right of the Liberal Party. No, no, they're the sensible centre, and uh, it's these moderates that have moved, so-called moderates that have moved to the green left. So you can see how language has been hijacked to demonise uh, people who hold you know, mainstream Australian values. And, and, and look, that's you know, it's become such a crisis. That's why our party has been formed uh, to try and be a force that can help bring the Liberals back to that sensible centre and to and to fight these green left views that have infic- in- infected uh, the Liberal Party. Thank you so much to Andrew in Broken Hill in New South Wales. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to be part of our conversation. Let me come to what may be the critical issue when it comes to Christians and the way they think about what might be happening with the next election. And this is around the issue of our freedoms. Now, I know you have been a champion for freedoms over many, many years. In fact, you were the uh, the warning sign uh, before the marriage uh, legislation uh, changed the definition of marriage, saying that there would be challenges that would come like this. All of a sudden, here we are, crunch time. There is a significant election coming, and there is a very significant contrast between two sides of politics here. What are your concerns for freedoms beyond the election, Lyle Shelton? I'm very worried, Neil. And, you know, I've mentioned this a couple of times um, as we've been chatting today, but uh, freedom of speech and freedom of religion has never been under such great pressure in Australia as it is now. And and we saw just before Christmas, you know, Penny Wong and the Greens and, uh, you know, elements of the Liberal Party trying to strip away uh, the freedom of Christian schools to employ staff who share their their ethos. Now, it's it's absolutely critical that a Christian school is allowed to employ Christians who will uphold the vision and mission of that school. And and you know, many of these schools they want to promote uh, and and preference the idea that marriage is between one man and one woman, uh, as per traditional Christian biblical teaching forever. Uh, you know, it's what society believed up until about five minutes ago. But now that ability is is under extreme duress uh, from both sides of politics. But it's going to be uh, turbocharged if um, if uh, Bill Shorten becomes prime minister with the uh, influences in his party and, and the Greens. Uh, so I think this is a serious time. I think um, we should be preparing uh, for persecution. Um and, and we're already seeing, I mean, people like Bernard Gaynor, who's a friend of mine, you know, has been dragged through tribunal after tribunal. And, and today the New South Wales Attorney General is saying that uh, New South Wales anti-discrimination law applies in Queensland. They can come and get you wherever you are um, because some serial activists um, backed by the taxpayer-funded 
anti-discrimination industry can drag you through courts and tribunals forever. I mean, this guy has lost his house. Um, he's the canary in the coal mine. Uh, this is going to ramp up uh, under this aggressive secularism, uh, which is being promoted by uh, Labor and by the Greens and by elements of the Liberal Party. And, 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 and look, that's what's motivated me to want to get in here because, you know, we've got to get a voice into the parliament uh, that can fight this and, and put the other side of the argument. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Chris is in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Oh, good afternoon, Neil. God bless you. What are your thoughts, Chris? Um, this is a simple question. question. might even be a silly question, but you said that all the world is in debt. I'm just wondering, who are we in debt to? Who's collecting the money? Okay, there's an economic mm. question for you, Lyle Shelton. Uh, where is all this money coming from that uh, puts the world into debt? Yeah, it's, it's going it's, to. Yeah, no, it's a good question, Chris. Um, obviously, countries like Australia, the, the seven or the five hundred and fifty billion dollars that we owe, going to three quarters of a trillion. Some of it's owed to China. Some of it's owed to um, to, to banks here locally. Um, there's international money markets. I mean, it's it, it's owed all over the world. But the point is, uh, there's creditors to whom that money is owed, and uh, it has to be paid back. Okay, thank you so much to Chris, and uh, we might need to uh, wrap up the. Uh, calls today thanks to everyone who's participated and as we've been anticipating things that will change this really intensifies the importance of this election that's coming Lyle Shelton let me bring you back to something we started talking about the reason for your existence and the idea that you might be there to help uh, the Liberal National Coalition be their true selves I don't know whether you've got that all sort of uh, worked out in some special slogan but it's certainly strikes a chord when you think of the value of a crossbench conservative senator, which is what you're vying to be. Uh, what are you thinking about your own chances? Uh, do you think you've got a chance of being elected a senator for Queensland? I think I've certainly got a chance, Neil. It's it's going to be tough. And you've mentioned, you know, there's a crowded field there in, in that minor party space. And, and the reason why there's so many parties going is because um, Australians are tired of both Labor and Liberal. Politics uh, is on the nose. Politicians are on the nose. And people are voting in the Senate uh, for minor parties in huge numbers. About 30% of Australians will cast a vote for a minor party. Now, what I'm asking people to do is to look carefully at what's on offer there. Uh, you've got One Nation, which I would argue are not true conservatives, um, supporting euthanasia and, um, and other you know, um, uh, social causes that, that don't accord with conservative values, not always voting for tax cuts. Fraser Anning with his racially based uh, immigration policy has just gone too far. Bob Catter um, is you know, quite eccentric. Uh, Clive Palmer, who knows what he stands for. And then you've got us, Cory Bernardi's party and, and people like myself standing who, um, who do believe in you know, smaller government, um, family values, freedom of speech, civil society, lower taxes, those traditional things which all Australians, which were just mainstream values, which, which have drifted uh, in our political discourse. The Liberals have drifted away from these principles, and of course Labor has as well. So there's a stark choice, and, and I think we need to have um, well, the, the best way that we can bring Australia back to the sensible centre is through the Senate crossbench. That's our best chance of getting people elected. And uh, if we can get a voice there, potentially hold the balance of power, we can uh, blunt a lot of the negative things that are to come or at least be a voice for common sense and over time help bring our nation back. Well, we have run out of time, and I want to say thanks so much for taking some time to come in and share these thoughts with us today, Lyle Shelton, because 
as Christians will be intensely interested in what's happening with the lead up to the two elections that are coming. We mentioned there is a New South Wales state election that's coming at the end of March and then it's likely to be mid-May for a federal election. And we'll be keeping a close eye on the developments that happen around the major parties. And as the Christian broadcaster in Australia, we'll be keeping a close eye on those parties that represent strong Christian values. Uh, And uh, I know that uh, there'll be various organisations in the lead up to the election that'll have election checklists where you can make a comparison between what parties stand for according to Christian values. And of course, that challenge will be to, uh, to move along those lines of examining and researching and thinking carefully about how you cast your vote because it will be an incredibly important election to get things right when you vote as a Christian. Uh, Lyle Shelton, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. Uh, All the best in your campaigning. You want to be a Queensland Senate candidate for the Australian Conservatives. Uh, All the best and we'll look forward to uh, new developments as they come. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for the opportunity. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.